Hi, and welcome back to Wildflower Women. My name is Megan Princewell, and I am so honored that you have taken a moment of your day to um, join me on this journey as we discuss impossible faith. I am sorry if you were anticipating an episode last week. I'm still trying to get myself back into the habit and work around my husband's new schedule and my schedule and and trying to figure out a time that just works to be able to record without interruptions and other noises. And um, so I think I think Monday's gonna be my my good night, but um, I'm not gonna make any promises. So regardless, we are here right now, and I, I, if you pay attention to the title of this episode, I'm, I called it Impossible Faith, um, and I want to talk about uh, the things that are impossible with man, but possible with God. All things are possible with God. The Bible tells us that, and I want to talk about, um, I want to, I want to kind of run through the story of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in here and just kind of, kind of break down this, this story here. So Abraham, um, in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham, um, is having a conversation with God. And, um, in verse four, God tells him that your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Um, Abraham was already old at this point, so he, you know, he had no heirs and he was, he had no children and he was asking God, you know, who is going to inherit my, you know, my legacy? Like who, who will be my heir? Because right now I I have no son. I have no, uh, I have no heir. So it's going to have to just be someone from my house, but I, I want an I want an, my own child to inherit, and so God told him, "Your own flesh and blood will be your heir. You don't have to worry about um, your just someone of your house be inheriting everything. You will have your own heir." Um, in in verse six, it says, "Abraham believed, and it was counted to him for righteousness." So here we are in chapter fifteen. God tells Abraham that he is going to have an heir, that uh, his own flesh and blood will inherit his, uh, his legacy and Abraham believed it. <clears throat> and so the next chapter in chapter 16, uh, Sarai, which was her name at that point. Um, Sarai tells Abraham that I have no children. I'm old. Obviously God has shut up my womb and I am not going to give you any children. So here have my handmaid Hagar, go sleep with her and maybe she can give you a child. And so <clears throat> you have this, this moment here where uh, Sarai just gives her, her handmaid to her husband. And I don't know. I mean, I know back in the day, um, you know, people had more than, men had more than one wife and, and all that jazz. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I, as a woman, could just go, you know, tell my husband, go sleep with some other woman. Um, cause maybe she can give you a child, but Bible days were different. So, you know, we're just going to go with it. So 
Sarai tells Abraham, I have no children. God shut up my womb, sleep with my handmaid and have a child. Abraham at this point already had the promise. He had already been promised by God that his own flesh and blood would be the heir. Um, and he believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. So because it's because it says that Abraham believed and it was counted to him for righteousness, I feel like Abraham had zero doubt. Like in that moment when God said, your own flesh and blood will be your heir. I, I don't think that Abraham for not even for a second said, um, okay, well, how am I going to do this then? Do I, what do I, what am I going to have to do? Do I, what do I, how will I, you know, how's this going to happen? Because it says he believed. He just simply believed. He, he had the promise and he believed it. But in this moment, Sarai tells him, go sleep with my handmaid because God's not going to give you any children through me. And even though Abraham believed that he was going to be the father uh, you know, that he was going to have a, a, an heir that was his own flesh and blood. And even though it had already been counted to him for righteousness, he listened to Sarai. And I, in my notes, I said he listened to the doubters. So he had this promise. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, the story doesn't tell us that when God told Abraham that his own flesh and blood would be his heir, I, it doesn't tell us that he went and told Sarah, but I feel like he probably did. I feel like if, if my husband, um, if, if, if my husband had a promise from God that something that just looked like this is, there's no way this could happen. And it was going to come through me. I feel like he would tell me that. I don't feel like that when Abraham, when God told Abraham that he was going to have an heir, I don't think Abraham assumed that it must be going to come through some other woman. I feel like he probably just believed that it was coming through his wife. Like I said, that's not in the Bible. That's all Megan thoughts. I, I just feel like that has to be the case, but it might not be. Sarah or Sarai at that point may have known nothing of this promise, but either way, Abraham knew the promise and Abraham believed it. And still, when Sarai says, I'm not going to have you any kids, so go sleep with my handmaid, he does. Um, so when, the, as the story goes on, Hagar conceives. And as soon as she realizes that she's pregnant, it says that she despises um, Sarai. And, and Sarai tells, um, you know, Abraham that, you know, she hates me now that she's pregnant and, and Abraham says, you know, do whatever you want to with her. And so she just is just like horrible to her. And so Hagar runs and tries to, to get away and she's runs off and, and, um, God comes to her and says, or an angel of the Lord comes to her and he says, um, that you, you, you will give birth and your child, you will call him. Um, Ishmael. Um, he is going to be, you know, he's going to have vast number of descendants. You know, they're, they're, he's going to have, he's going to be the father of, you know, many, many descendants. And, but he's going to be a wild, hostile man. Everybody, he is going to be against his brothers or his, you know, other people, and they're going to be against him. And, and so he's, he's going to be, 
a great um, a great man, but he's going to have basically kind of this this life of 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 um, just anger and hostility. And so she comes back. She's pregnant. She has a child. They name they call him Ishmael. And then in verse 17, I mean, in chapter 17, God comes to Abraham again, or uh, the, um, in the, the, the word comes to Abraham, the word of the Lord comes to Abraham, and he says, you will be the father of many nations. Again, I've already told you that you will have an heir. You've already believed me. And now I'm here, I'm back, and I'm telling you that you will be the father of many nations. Your seed will be as far as, you know, as, as many as the sand on the seashore and as many stars in the sky, that will be like your descendants. And so, and then he says, you know, change your, your wife will no longer be called Sarai, but she will be called Sarah. She will have a son. She will be the mother of nations. Her kings will come from her. Um, and so God says this and God says all of this stuff, but then Abraham says, well, I, f- I feel like in this moment, like I said, you know, kind of like at the beginning, this is, this is Megan's thought. I feel like, I feel like Abraham kind of thought about his wife and, and, you know, this is, this is not possible. She is well beyond her years to bear a child. So are you sure God that you don't, I mean, Ishmael is going to be the father of many nations. Are you sure that that's not what what you're talking about? Why don't you just bless him? And God says, he will be blessed. He will have many descendants. But Ishmael is not the impossible promise. Ishmael is not the covenant. My promise, my covenant will be with Isaac. And so... In chapter 18, the angels come um, to uh, Abraham and, and he, he feeds them and he's talking to them and they say, you know, at this time next year we will return and Sarah will give, will, uh, give birth to a son. And Sarah overhears it. She hears this promise and she laughs because she's like, uh, yeah, no, I'm 90 years old. That's not going to happen. Um, and then the the angel said, why did Sarah laugh? And Sarah denies it. And she's like, he's like, yeah, but no, you did. You did laugh. Um, you laughed. And let me ask you, is anything too hard for God? And so I want to just like look at that. Is anything too hard for God? Isaac was the impossible promise. Sarah was past the point of of um, giving birth or or getting pregnant. Um, she the way of woman was no longer with her. So basically, um, you know, she was she had gone through menopause. Um, she was not ovulating. She did not have eggs. She had no way to. Um, there was nothing to. Uh, Conce- there was no way to conceive. She was past that point. It is impossible to get pregnant if you 
have gone through menopause. Uh, I know, you know, there's all, all kind of scientific stuff now where, you know, people who have gone through menopause are pregnant and carry a child, but they don't get pregnant with their own eggs. They don't have their own eggs. They're done. That's what menopause means. Your eggs are done. You don't have anything else to fertilize. So Sarah is, it's impossible, but they have this promise. They have this promise that Isaac will come. Isaac is the covenant. Isaac is the impossible promise. So before she has, before she gets pregnant, before she has Isaac, they go into chapter 19 and um, Sarah and Abraham are in this land and they say, they, Abraham tells Abimelech, the king, that Sarah is his sister. And so Abimelech takes Sarah into her, his house as his wife and then um he has a dream in the middle of the night. God comes to him and tells him, you know, Sarah is the wife of Abraham. Give him back or give her back. Um, you know, that you, you can't, you're, you're going to die. If you sleep with her, you're going to die. And so Abimelech's like, what he, I, I did this on like, I was ignorant. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know that this is what happened. And so God's like, yeah, and I didn't let you sleep with her so that you, your life could be preserved. So anyway, Sarah, um, Abimelech gives Sarah back to Abraham and blesses Abraham with a whole bunch of stuff. And it says that, um, Abimelech and his wives and their children and his, his kingdom, his, you know, his, all of his, uh, his household, um, their wombs are op- were opened and they, they were able to conceive um, because God had shut up their wombs because of Sarah. So I don't know how long Sarah was in Abimelech's house. I don't know how long their wombs had been shut up, but I love this. And I've never really, I've never uh, put these stories in the timeline. I didn't realize how I've heard these stories, you know, over and over, but I didn't realize how they, the sequence of them, but I thought it was so interesting that Abraham and Sarah have, have, um, a promise of a child of, of, of Isaac. Sarah's womb has been shut. She has, you know, gone through her fertile years with no children. Her womb was, was closed and, and then God promises that he's going to open it. But now in this story, in, their, in the middle of their waiting, in the middle of their, their waiting to re- receive their promise, God closes the womb of an entire house on behalf of Sarah because Sarah was basically taken And so all of those women could not have children because Sarah was being held. But when they set her free, God opened the wombs. And so I just thought that was so interesting that it's proof that God holds the key. God holds the promise and God does the, God is, God is the only one that can bring the promise to pass. And if God wants to, wants to, has God has a specific time for everything that he does. And God has a specific time 
for the promise. And so if God can, I, I, I feel like it's, if God can, God can close a door, if God can close a womb, or if God is, is holding a door shut, if he's holding it shut, he's also the one that can open it. And I feel like, I feel like there was so much symbolism there. And I don't know if Sarah noticed it. I don't know if Sarah thought about it. I don't know if there was ever a thought in their mind about the fact that God closed their the womb the wombs of those women in that kingdom on behalf of Sarah. And when she was free, they were opened. And I don't know if she looked at that and thought, "Wow, maybe God can do it. Maybe God can do the impossible." I don't know. I don't know if she did. But now I'm thinking it, and I'm thinking how significant that was that God showed, I have the power. What you think is impossible, do you not see that I have the power to shut the door and open the door? I'm showing you right now that you can't do anything without me, that you can't I'm, I'm in charge. If you trust me, I will, I will open the door for that impossible promise. If I can shut all of these women, every single woman in this house cannot have a child because I said no. And then when I said yes, they all conceived. Do you not think I can do it for you? Do you not think I can give you that impossible promise? So then in chapter 21, um, Sarah conceives, she gives birth to Isaac, she gives birth to the impossible promise, and she says, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. That laughter in the beginning, the first time she laughed, it was a, (laughs) yeah, right, but then the second time she laughed, it was with joy because God had given the impossible promise. God had done the impossible promise promise. Um, in that chapter, after Isaac is born, um, Ishmael and Hagar are sent away. Um, and, but God said, God tells them you're, you're going to live. Um, and they, they will live because they belong to Abraham and Abraham, God told, God told him that he said, um, they're going to live, send them away. Do, do as, as Sarah asked you to do. You can send them away, but they will live because they belong to you. They're your descendants, and I told you that your descendants, that I, I told you that many nations would come from your womb. So everything that comes from you, I have to bless it because that is part of my promise to you. I told you that. But my covenant, my promise is with the impossible. So send them away. Let them go. Let them do what is in my will for them to do. Let them go, but my promise is with Isaac. Watch, watch me do the impossible. Um, in Matthew nineteen twenty six, Jesus even said that it, the impossible, you know, with man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And what I want to say to you tonight is to have impossible faith. I don't know what your promise is. 
I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know what you feel like God has shown you he's going to do for you or he's going to do in you or he's going to do through you. I don't know what your promise is, but do not give in to the doubters. Do not go the route that seems like it's possible to do. When Hagar, when Sarah gave Hagar to her husband, that was, that was taking that control and making something happen. He, they, were, they were making God's promise appear to be fulfilled, but it just wasn't right. It, it, it wasn't comfortable. Like it wasn't comfortable. It was, it was, um, it was painful. It was, it was hostile. It was, it was angry. There was, you know, a lot of bitterness and, and, um, envy in that, in that because it wasn't the, the promise. It wasn't the promise. And so if you have a promise from God, do not let go. And, and I say this to say, uh, because, in the last few weeks, um, if you, if you've if you've listened to any of the other episodes, you know, or you've heard um, part of part of our story, um, and I, for me, I'm standing in the face of an impossible, um, and literally the impossible child. I, I it's it's. In just a few months, um, my body, I don't, several years, probably about 10 years ago, my body, I was in my late 20s and my body started going into menopause. It started making that transition way too early. Um, and so I literally have like three months um, menopause official, like you've officially crossed over and you are beyond the possibility of, of conceiving a child, um, when you have not had, um, a monthly cycle, um, for 12 months. And so I am just a few months away from reaching that 12 month mark. Um, and when I realized that I had a few days that I was really scared, um, because it, it was like, it's, for real impossible. But what happened was that I realized that what is impossible with man is possible with God. And when it, that God is going to get so much more glory in doing what is impossible. And so for me, that realization that it is going, it is almost absolutely 100% impossible. I actually got excited because I realized that I have a promise. God gave me a promise. Before I found out that I was pregnant with the baby that we lost, when I already knew that I had very, like, less than 5% chance of ever having a child because I was still occasionally... um, there were a few eggs left, um, and we got pregnant and it was just like, my doctor said she, ne- like, she still can't believe that happened because it, it was so, so inconceivable. Um, but before I found out, it was actually 
two days before I found out I was pregnant. I had no idea. And God gave me a promise. And I have stood on it because I firmly believe that it was the Holy Spirit speaking the voice of God and the word of God to me when he said, your child, I know the exact second that your child will take its first breath. I have it planned out. And I know I'm not going to give that child to you before the time because I know that you want your child to grow and live in my perfect will. And my perfect will is a designated specific time in history. And that is the day that your child will be born. I, your child will come. But I know you well enough and I know that you want my will enough that you don't want something out of my will. So just trust me. And he said, your baby has its very own for such a time as this. Your child has its own for such a time as this. And I know that you want that more than you want your own desires to be met. And so that is my promise. And I am holding on to that. But so many times in the last, I guess it's, been uh, three years since we were told that it was never going to happen. There have been so many times when people meant well. I'm, I know that I know their heart was in the right place, but they told me maybe, maybe God's, maybe you're, maybe you're not, maybe. God's plan for your life is that you adopt. Maybe that's what you guys are supposed to do. Maybe, maybe, maybe God's gonna gonna give you a child through some other, some other way. You know, maybe that's what it is. And I appreciate that people care. But what I if I'm now don't get me wrong, if God gives me a child, if my child is born from another woman and I raise that child as it, it becomes a, a prince will, I am not, I'm not against adopting, but I'm not going to, to reduce my faith to something that's possible because adopting is possible. Adopting is something that is possible with man. And I am not going to allow my faith to be reduced. I am going to believe for the impossible. I am going to hold out and believe for the impossible. If God gives us a child through someone else, then I will be beyond ecstatic. But until... I have a child, I am going to believe for the impossible. If God said it, he will do it. So when the doubters come and they look at your situation and they say, why don't you do this? Or, you know what? I know that that's what you're believing for, but you know, you could do this. Maybe this is what God wants for you. Maybe this is 
Maybe this is it. Maybe this is what you're supposed to do. Now, don't be, don't be stubborn. But be open to whatever God says and whatever God does. But do not reduce your faith from impossible to possible. Do not reduce your faith from the impossible level to a possible level. Hold on. Believe for the impossible. If God gives you something that someone else has suggested that was a possible faith route, then by all means, walk it out and take it and enjoy it. But in the waiting, hold on to impossible faith. I am holding on to impossible faith. It is almost, literally almost a few months away from being absolutely scientifically and medically impossible for me to give birth to a child with my DNA and my husband's DNA. It's almost impossible. But that's what I'm believing for. I am going to stand in impossible faith and I will not back down. I will not back down. If God moves me, if he speaks it to my heart and my husband's heart to do something, then we'll do it. But in this moment, we have nothing but a promise and impossible faith because that is all that he has given us. So I am encouraging you tonight to hold on for your Isaac, whether it's a child or a job or a family situation or a a spouse or just a dream that God has given you a vision for something that you feel like it is so impossible. I will never be able to do that. I will never get to that point. This family member is never going to find God. This addiction is never going to be broken. It's too impossible. It's too far gone. But if you have a promise... Hold on to impossible faith. Dig your feet into the sand. Dig down deep and stand. Do not let go. God will answer. He cannot make a promise that he goes back on. He is not a man that he should lie. Impossible faith. Believe for the impossible. There is so much. The the reason it is so amazing is because when it is impossible, there is not a single avenue for man to get glory. 
Man cannot get glory in the impossible. If it is possible, if it's doable, then there's some slight way where somebody could say, well, for, I mean, honestly, for me, if we adopted a child and I could say, this was the problem, God did the impossible. And then people could say, I mean, oh, technically there's, I mean, there's a whole lot of people out there that adopt children and they're not, they don't serve God. He didn't do it for them. Like, I mean, that technically is, it is not impossible. If, if we, you know, if, if I bought a car, God did the impossible. I didn't think I was going to be able to buy a car. Well, I mean, not really. I mean, really, pretty much anybody can get a car. Like, it doesn't, it, you, can, you can work and, and, and work and work and get your credit up and you can buy a car. They'll give you a car. It's, it was impossible. It was impossible. Uh, no, that technically was kind of possible. But when it's an impossible situation and there is no way out, there is no way around it, and it feels like I'm never going to find it. I'm never going to find it. It's never going to happen. And God does it. When I have a child, when I get pregnant, after I've gone past the point of being able to get pregnant according to medicine and science, there is no way for someone to say, man did it. That is impossible. And there is only glory for God in that. And when Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. There's a story to be told in my life and in yours. When you trust him for the impossible. When you trust him for the impossible. And when I have that baby. And I tell the whole world. Hey. This is the God I serve. This is the God I serve. Can't deny it. Can't deny that he is the almighty. Don't give up. Don't let go of impossible faith. Don't settle for the possible when God has promised you the impossible. That is all I have today. And I'm sorry, I always go a little bit longer than I intend to. But I love you and I'm so thankful for you. And if you have not heard it today, you are loved, you are valuable, you're beautiful, and God has an impossible promise for you, something far beyond your wildest imaginations. 
So hold on. Bye.